there were two more murders 15 miles away. When police the arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. Fetishes are usually harmless parts of your sexual experience that, given a willing partner, can be explored and acted upon. But the key word here is willing. On January 31st, 1939, a man was born who would force his fetish upon young women and, in turn, take their lives to fulfill his needs. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Jerome Henry Burdos, or Jerry as everyone knew him, was the second-born son to his mother on January 31st, 1939. Unfortunately, a son was not what she wanted, and she consistently treated him with malice, both physical and emotional, throughout his entire childhood, hopping from home to home in the Pacific Northwest before finally settling down in Salem, Oregon. When Jerry was about five years old, he was left unattended at a junkyard and found a pair of stiletto heels that would forever change his life. With this random find, Jerry developed a foot fetish that would later escalate into something much more dangerous. When his mother caught him wearing the shoes, she took them from him and destroyed them. This fetish continued and soon, Jerry was stealing women's underwear from neighbors, trying to steal his first grade teacher's shoe, and having dark fantasies about what he would do with these women. So dark that he spent most of his teen years in and out of psychotherapy and psychiatric hospitals. While also in his teens, Jerry began stalking, knocking down, or choking local women into unconsciousness and running off with their shoes. At 17, he abducted a woman and threatened to stab her if she did not follow his sexual demands, a crime for which he was arrested and sent to the Oregon State Hospital for nine months, and it was here that he was officially diagnosed with schizophrenia. Despite his constant hospitalization and issues with law enforcement, Jerry was able to graduate from his high school and start work as an electronics technician. And despite his obvious hatred for women, the 22-year-old married a 17-year-old girl in 1961, and together they would welcome two children. This didn't mean that his shoe fetish had diminished. It just meant he asked his wife to do things like housework wearing only high heels while he took photos, which considering his past seemed harmless at first. But it was around this time that he started to experience migraines and blackouts. And according to Jerry, the only way to relieve these horrible symptoms was to continue his teenage night prowling raids. It was also during this time that he experienced a transgender period where he used a female persona as an escape mechanism. His poor wife, none the wiser, had to announce her arrival on an intercom when she came into his secret room so his stash of shoes and undergarments were never found. In 1967, Jerry began physically attacking women again, and in May of that year, followed a woman home, liking the look of her shoes, and, once inside, strangled her to the point of unconsciousness, raped her, and then abandoned her, taking her shoes with him. The crime was not connected to him until much later. Then, in January of 1968, one of his victims came straight to him. Linda Slauson, only 19 years old, was a door-to-door -door encyclopedia saleswoman who just so happened to knock on the Brudos' door, offering to sell some books. Jerry was able to lure her into his basement, 
knock her out with a wooden plank, strangle her, and dress her in a number of his stolen items to take photos of her body in suggestive poses. All while he all while his mother and children were still in the house. At some point, he cut off her left foot so he could keep it in his freezer and use it to model his collection of high-heeled shoes. Her body was then thrown in the Willamette River. And just like that, the shoe fetish slayer was born. Next to fall victim to this lust killer was 18-year-old Karen Sprinker. She was abducted at gunpoint from a department store parking lot in May of 1968 by Jerry Brudos, dressed in female clothing. She was taken back to his basement where she was forced to try on a collection of undergarments and asked to pose so he could take her photo. When he was done, he raped her, strangled her, and then hoisted her up by a pulley and left her to suffocate to death. He kept her body for a bit, having sex with it on several occasions before cutting off her breasts, making a plastic mold of them he could use as a paperweight, and then weighed her down with a car engine and tossed her into the same river Linda was left in. On November 26, 1968, 23-year-old Jan Susan Whitney broke down on the side of Interstate 5 and was helped by a seemingly kind Jerry Brudos, who offered to drive her to his home so she could call a tow truck. While still in the car, he began strangling the young girl with a leather strap and waited until she took her last breath to rape her. She too was thrown into the river along with Linda's foot. Sharon Wood, 24, was abducted at gunpoint from a Portland parking garage on April 21, 1969, but was able to escape with her life, as was 15-year-old Gloria Smith, whom he tried to grab the next day. Linda Saley, 22, was abducted from a shopping mall parking lot on April 23, 1969. She was brought back to Jerry's garage, where he raped and strangled her. He decided that her breasts were too pink to cut off, so instead sent electrical current through her body to see if he could get it to jump. When he failed, he tied her to a car transmission and threw her into the river. In May of 1969, a fisherman in that river found the bodies of Linda Saley and Karen Sprinker and called police, who immediately began an investigation. Noting their age and location, they decided to start asking students at the Oregon State University in Corvallis if any of them noticed any suspicious man near campus. And while no one had seen a man wandering near, some females came forward saying they got a call from a man asking for a date. One student even agreed and met with a heavyset man with light hair and freckles. A man who, while on this date, referred to the dead women found in the river. They asked her to call them if the man called for a second date and set up a meeting. She did, and instead of a young co-ed, Jerry showed up to find a few police officers waiting for him. After questioning him, police brought in one of the women who he had attempted to abduct, and she positively ID'd him. With that, they got their search warrant and headed to the Brudos' home. Inside, they found rope matching the pieces tied to the women's bodies and a wealth of photos Jerry had taken of his victims before they died. On June 28, 1969, Jerry Brudos pled guilty to the three first-degree murder charges and was sentenced to three consecutive life terms at Oregon State Penitentiary. He never stood trial for Linda Slauson's murder, even though he confessed because he did not keep any photographs of the body like he had in the other cases. While in prison, Jerry began writing major companies asking them for their shoe catalogs, claiming it substituted for pornography, 
and even amassed a pretty good collection. After lodging several appeals and failing each and every one of them, Jerry Brudos died on March 28, 2006 from liver cancer after being the longest-serving inmate in the Oregon Department of Corrections. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on February 1st. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.